Hey, welcome to the Real Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martin. Hey, and it's a very exciting episode. Not only is it an awesome guest, this is episode number 100. How about that? <laughs> they, and they said we'd never last. So uh, let me tell you about my guest today, Ann O'Neill. Let me just give you these stats right here. We got uh, basketball royalty with us right here. It's now three-time Parade Magazine All-American, a Naismith Top 5 National Player of the Year, Iowa Girls Basketball Hall of Fame, Team USA athlete, Iowa State University athletic and academic All-American. Uh, she's drafted in WNBA by the Sacramento Monarchs, made it to the top of the food chain there. And now she works as a senior cyber transformation leader at Palo Alto Networks and really started her own podcast called Get Busy Living Podcast. And thank you so much for coming on. Really excited to talk to you. Oh my gosh, Joe, I love it. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. I love Relentless Positivity. There oh, we go. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're number 100, <laughs> man. I, they, I never thought it would come this far, so it's pretty exciting. Oh, wow. I think I'm only like get, just recording number 10, so I I have a long way to catch up, so I commend you. What a great uh, honor that is. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for being here. So let's just get into, let's start with your basketball career. So what, what age did you start playing? Oh, wow. Uh, what age was I not doing anything? You know, um, as a kid, I was just curious about anything. And even before basketball, you know, I would like ride my dirt bike everywhere. I thought I was like one of those X games before X games, you know, with the the dirt bike, but, um, I loved that. I loved astrology. I was like in the astrology club. I loved anything that had to do with art and animals. And, uh, and then I got into playing soccer. And so I just loved competing, you know, whether, it was at recess. And then I was in the Olympic development um, program, which is like the soccer club when you're, when you're a youngster in middle or sorry, in elementary school. And so I started playing with the boys. I'm from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Originally, my parents still live there and and playing soccer at that age, there wasn't a lot of females playing. So I played all boys, um, travel club teams, um, growing up. And if you can imagine, it is, uh, extremely cold in the winter there, laughing like a blizzards nonstop, um, during the, during the winter. And so I found basketball to be able to play and run around in, in the gym and, you know, still be able to like just run and, uh, be competitive with the girls actually after soccer, which was, you know, during the winter time. So it ended up being a lot of fun and I kind of kept doing it. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. So you, you played soccer, you played basketball, you played golf, you played volleyball and you're good at all of them, right? (laughs) I was, that was, you know, as I kept growing, I kept trying different things and, uh, you know, that's probably one of the biggest things I can ever like take away is that, you know, your curiosities keep growing with you, you know? And so just keep trying different things. You never know what skill set you're going to pick up. Like I played volleyball in high school and that was just phenomenal because I got, you know, I got to work on my jump so much more and that talk about a team sport, you know, you have, you have to play with everyone there. Um, and I love soccer. That was a little bit more endurance, um, paced and working on eye hand coordination, um, a lot with basketball. Cause I would dribble nonstop. So yeah, so that was like more in the high school days, but in middle school is really kind of where I saw the tipping point of, you know, being more committed just towards basketball. Now, was there just this aha moment when you're like, man, I am, I'm really good at this. (laughs) Uh, you know, 
one of the first things that happened was I, I went to a, a 10 and under or 11 and under, I forget these days, um, national tournament. So the AAU girls tournament where they have teams from all over the nation played in Terre Haute, Indiana. And I was the tallest player on my team back then, you know, in sixth or fifth or sixth grade. And, uh, and all the girls were like a foot taller than me already, you know, at that wow. age, you know, whether they're from New York or California or Texas. So I just kind of was in amazement about how great these players were. So I left like that tournament being uh, about 10 or 11. And I was like, wow, I have a lot of work to do, but I know if they're that good at this age, then I can be that good. And so that was one of the, the things that really kind of spurred me on to practice a little bit more. And that was whether it was shooting or dribbling, those were kind of my main focus areas at the time. And then uh, following that tournament in sixth grade, I got my first college recruiting letter. And so it was from the University of Northern Iowa. Um, and I was coming out of gym class and they're like, you have a piece of mail here, like at the, at the middle school. And it was so crazy. I was like, what is that? And I opened it up in my locker and, you know, it was just so cool because it was like from, you know, a college recruiter that said, we'd love for you to come play here. And I'm, you know, 12 years old at the time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, so that was wild, but that, at that point, that was mainly the main tipping point for me to be like, wow, I see that future that I could possibly have if I continue to work hard. And so, you know, being like, you know, that's going to be in six or seven years down the line. I just knew I had a lot of work to put in to be able to get those kind of scholarships, but at least it was like in the vision for me. And so from that point forward, when I got that letter, I really just set my sights to really be focused on basketball, even though I did track and soccer and all these other sports and, you know, really tried to excel at school at the same time. If there was any extra time in my day, it was, you know, focused on lifting weights or dribbling or things like that. Man, what a perfect attitude to have, right? Some people go to that <laughs> tournament and see all these people like, whoa, I don't, I don't belong here. You took the opposite and like, Hey, I, I will belong here one day. So that's perfect. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm seeing that life too. My, my son is 16 years old. We went to a tournament in Indianapolis this weekend and my son's about six, five, almost six, six. Oh my and he, gosh. And he looks short out there. Like I, <laughs> I, I look up, I'm like six, two. It's weird looking up at your kid and right? he's walking around. I think like, you know, he's a pretty big kid. He gets there, man. He's he, man. He's a little guy. It's so uh -huh. weird. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. And when you get to go there, it's like, for me, it's always like, well, why not me? You know, even yeah. though they're taller, I can work on other skill sets. Just like your son, if he's six, five, six, six, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I'm sure he's extremely talented. And then it's like, oh, what's going to make me just that next like half a percent better at whether it's, you know, my first step or, you know, improving my free throws. So I always knew there's, there's different ways to look at the game and improving. And those players that set the benchmark ahead of me, I was always like, I should be at that level. I should be at that level. And it just kept going and going and, and growing when you'd see somebody to be able to do an awesome crossover, like between their legs crossover, you're like, I got to go work on that, you know? So that's what I took away from that. And it, it never stopped, you know, all the Nike camps and tons and tons of more AAU tournaments that I'd go to, you know, everybody was amazing. You had to kind of, you had to keep up if you were going to play. That's right. Yeah. It's the best of the best. It's, it's some great players there. We saw LeBron James son and all those guys were there. So it was pretty what? cool. Oh, yeah. that's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, let like, me ask you this. So we, we've yeah. been to these AU tournaments for a while. What, what's the craziest thing you've seen? Cause you'll see some adults with their priorities way out of whack. So what, what's some stuff that you've seen out there? Oh my gosh. Wow. You know, I didn't even think of it from that angle. Cause I, I coached college basketball for a couple of years at Eastern Illinois university. I was like an assistant head or assistant coach there. 
And, and that was just so interesting to see the game because yes, you're at all those AAU tournaments, watching all the players and you're also watching the parents. So that right. is kind of yeah. an interesting thing to <laughs> see, to see where the real motivation comes from, the real inspiration for those players. So man, that's one thing. Um, so I've definitely seen all of uh, like, you know, tons and tons of different AAU things. Uh, one of the, one of the fun experiences I had when I was playing for the, um, Iowa state AAU tournament is I just kind of got called up on a team with other players that were getting recruited by division one. And we all showed up and we had never even practiced together, but we all threw on these really heavy cotton t-shirts and we were called the Iowa lady Gators, which is you know, we're in Iowa, there's no yeah. gators around, <laughs> but we all put on these heavy cotton made t-shirts and we all played together really, really well and won the AAU tournament. And I just says like how random that would be that, you know, top players in Iowa would all come together and just go ahead and win the tournament and then try to do our best in the, uh, in the na nationals. It was just kind of a, a fun, crazy experience. So yeah. 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 If you get, a, if you get people together that are all up to the same goal, it's uh, it's really interesting what you can create. That's awesome. And the cotton yeah. t-shirts too, man, that's, that should be illegal. You can't oh, be able to I know. I know. I well, Cause you remember it. You're like, what? This isn't even like a real Jersey. So yeah, it was like the weird numbers on the background or back that didn't even, you know, like number eight, it's like, these weren't even supposed to be real numbers. Back oh then. yeah. Oh so, yeah. yeah we, we've, I've been at some tournaments where we've had to uh, do some uh, duct tape the numbers on that's happened, you know, that'll yeah, happen. Yeah. And but it doesn't matter as soon as you lace up your sneakers, everybody's ready to play. And that, that was the fun point about it. You know, that, you know, we're all on the same team, even though we were from like 10 different high schools. So kind of funny that way. That's cool. So <laughs> you kind of mentioned earlier that, uh, you were super busy. So how did you manage to work in 18 different sports and your schoolwork and still maintain a high level at all that? What was your time management skills back then? <laughs> oh, wow. You know, high performers, they usually like to be high performers across the board. You know, it's not just necessarily one sport or one class that they really like. For the most part, it's like, if I'm going to be a high performer in this thing, let's see if I can challenge myself and, and be um, a top performer in something else. And so that's just kind of what it looks like for me. You know, I, I, I did grow up, my dad was an elementary school principal. So getting good grades was kind of one of those you things that like, yeah, 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 we got to have it. Um, and my sister was a salutatorian, um, at a 400 person graduating class high school. So then I set my sights on that. Like I have to be a salutatorian, you know, um, and get good grades. It was just part of the game. You know, if, if I'm going to spend this much time in basketball, I'm going to spend this much time in school. And for the most part, I was really, I really loved a lot of the classes, whether it was writing or science, um, and art math, maybe a little bit, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I scheduled my day. I would get up very early. Like I remember, you know, going to, high school and, you know, the football team would be practicing or the baseball team would be lifting weights. And I'd be in there mostly most time by myself, the only female lifting weights with them, or I would go in and let's say most of the entire high school gym was covered with, you know, people playing or practicing different things, or they were running on one end of the court. I would go out and shoot a free throw, you know, and then come back and dribble. And while they were running or they were playing the game. So anytime that I could be in the gym, I was in the gym and sometimes that would be over lunch. I would spend 30 minutes just working on ball handling or after school, I would shoot free throws. And I was very fortunate. I had supportive parents and my dad would come up and rebound for me every night, um, at during high school. And so my mom would actually try to schedule dinner. She'd be like, are you going to shoot before dinner or after <laughs> dinner? And so she just knew by the time I got to high school, you know, that freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, they were, they knew that I was going to be in the gym. So we just had to kind of work around dinner times and, you know, and studying times. But I always found a way to 
practice something. And whether even I was injured or tired, you can always just still sit in a chair and, and dribble a little bit. And so those are, those are ways that I still found a way to always have a, a ball in my hand, or you can lay on your back and, you know, shoot up towards the sky and work on your form that way. So it doesn't have to be exhausting, you know, something, you know, practice doesn't have to always be exhausting, but you still can be working on different skill sets and your hands and your eyes get used to that ball all the time. So those are the things that I was working on, but man, it was, it was nonstop days back then. Man, I bet your couch looked brand new. It probably was untouched. <laughs> Nobody sits on it. It's just hanging out there in the living room. Oh but. man, you know, well, even then there wasn't as many, you know, there wasn't streaming services. So, you know, yeah. you did, if you missed a show, you missed a show. So it was like, you got to actually just be outside or in the gym or wherever, you know, going to an activity to watch the football team play or something like that. You know, it was always so busy. So that's yeah, cool. Yeah, you know. Always sharpen your axe, right? Always out there sharpening your axe. That's cool. Yes. So, so tell me about the uh, recruiting process. So you ended up at Iowa State. So you started getting recruited in sixth grade, which is crazy. And then tell me what that process looked like and why you chose Iowa State. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really interesting process. You know, it only grew from there and I know the rules have changed, you know, how much the um, coaches can be in communication with the players. Like then they could write a lot of letters, handwritten letters. Um, so I got lots of mail, which was, you know, fun to get. But um, so out of, when I was in high school, I actually was, I actually chose the University of Illinois first. So I went to Illinois uh, my freshman year. And as I was in high school, you get five recruiting visits. So that means they're going to pay for you to fly out and spend 48 hours on campus, check out the team, check out the school, the program, the whole works, and they kind of wine and dine you for those 48 hours. And I, I narrowed my list to five schools, which were Stanford, Duke, Purdue, uh, Illinois, and Iowa State. And so I took all five of those visits. And uh, ultimately, I chose Illinois, you know, it was a great school, but we also had the second best recruiting class in the nation. So, you know, you're familiar with some of those other top names. We had some of the best players in high school that all signed to go to Illinois, and they also didn't have any seniors when I was going to be coming oh, in. So wow. we were going to have a very young, talented team. And, you know, as things go, sometimes they don't work out. And that was one of the situations where, you know, I, I played pretty well my freshman year, but I... It, I didn't really like how the team kind of uh, meshed together. And, you know, there was a couple of different people that transferred that year. And so I chose Iowa State and uh, loved my experience there because one of the things is when you put in all those hours, you actually want to perform in front of people. And the Iowa State program has like the third best um, attendance in women's basketball history. So, you know, you might have UConn and Tennessee that are one and two with, you know, full stadiums and, and Iowa State's up there with over 10,000 fans per game. Wow. So by the time it's time to play, you're ready to go. And they just came off of a sweet 16 season this year and next year they are stacked. So it's going to be really fun to watch them uh, even next year. Wow. That's cool. I had no <laughs> idea about that. I knew they were, it was popular there, but 10,000, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Ames, Iowa. It's, it's a lot of fun. They support, you know, all of their sporting programs, but women's basketball is, you know, they've built in an, like an amazing program uh, where all the fans come and cheer and, you know, they've gone through all different kinds of seasons, but for the most part, Iowa State is all the Iowa State Cyclones are always successful. Um, Bill Fenley has done a phenomenal job. He's been there for um, a couple of decades and just as one of the best coaches in all of women's basketball and even even a tenured coach, even compared to some of the men's basketball coaches out there. So he's one of the best. He's like strategy by design. So whoever we're playing, 
everything is strategically placed for each player that we're up against. So it's, it's really great. It was so much fun, incredible experience being a cyclone and now to watch them continue their success has been a lot of fun. Wow. What an awesome, awesome opportunity. So, <laughs> yeah. you, so you, you had your time management down in high school. You kind of knew your schedule. What, what's the jump look like to college? How much, how much more different is the scheduling over there? I mean, you, you're down to one sport now though, right? So that's a little bit easier. Yeah. You're down to one sport, but you know, just like, you know, things are in high school, it's, it is a full-time job by the time you get to college, you know, you are on track, whether it's preseason, regular season or postseason you know, your days are all planned out. So you're practicing in the morning, whether it's weight training and running, uh, nutrition and, you know, the actual time practicing, you know, so there that it's, it's nonstop. And then your school and your classes are kind of based on when you can practice as well. So everything's kind of mapped out at least from a time management perspective, but when you're at that, it's just like, anytime you get to that next level, putting in the hours on your own, you know, to perform at your, at your top is, is a big deal because you easily, you know, your minutes can go down if you're not practicing and trying to better yourself. Sure. So <laughs> what was your go-to move? So you're out on the court, you got the ball. What's your go-to move? Uh, <laughs> I love it. I, I told you, I, I dribbled a lot, a lot, a lot in high school is because, you know, you'd by the time people would know to guard you a certain way, you'd have to find a new move. And so I would always try to work on my dribbling to get a quick first jump shot, uh, jump shot off. And so I would say about that 15 foot mid range jump shot. Okay. I was able to get off the floor, lean back a little bit to, you know, protect the ball, but anything with a crossover or between the leg crossover and, and get off the floor around the 15 foot mid range was usually my bread and brother there. Nice. Yeah. Not many, <laughs> yeah. not many people can do the mid range. That's good to have that niche, right? So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Right. That's on. awesome. So you had a awesome career academically and athletically. Um, what, what, were, what was the biggest lesson you took away from sports? Oh, thank gosh. There's so, there's so many. So because I know you have a lot of listeners that are either athletes or parents of athletes, you know, I'll tell you one thing because you hear about academic all American and athletic all American and everyone sees the, the shiny parts. Right. And so I tell you that my jump shot was pretty good. And I left Illinois when I left Illinois, I had only made four three pointers that entire season. And so if you think over a span of 30 games, that's not very many three pointers. I didn't shoot that many. What happened when I went there is, uh, the coaches, uh, tried, tried moving me into more of a set shooter. And I was, like I said, more of a jump shooter. And by the time I got there, I, you know, I had put in so many hours and so many shots that it was really hard for me to change the mechanics. And so I wasn't really able to hit that three pointer or even shoot it when I was a freshman at Illinois. I left Illinois and I was not able to hit the rim or the backboard from the three-point line. This is no joke. I, my parents like would watch me and they're like, what's wrong? And I was just such a big mental and emotional block for me to be able to shoot that three-pointer. And I remember that year I was like, I'm going to figure out how to shoot this, this three-pointer because <clears throat> when you're, when you start being a top athlete, the more weapons you have, as in the more things, skill sets, whether you're driving to the rim, shooting jump shots, three pointers, being really good at free throws, you want to have it all so you can play better and, you know, have more weapons on, in your arsenal. And so I was like, I'm going to figure this three pointer out. But it wasn't until my junior year that I was shooting free throws and I really wasn't great at those either, maybe shooting like 60, 70, 70%. And one of my coaches who was great, his name is Jack Easley. He was an associate head coach and he just walked by very, very briefly. And he's like, that's just not going to cut it. 
And I was like, what's going on? I'm like, finally, I'm going to put in the time. So I went back under the rim and I shot like I was in kindergarten again. So if I was a sixth grade, you know, six year old, I was under the rim shooting one handed, you know, as a 20 year old uh, division one athlete. And that sounds very counterintuitive, but I, one of the biggest lessons I can always take away is that things are actually really simple if you go back to the basics. Mm -hmm. And so what I did is I, I shot underneath the rim and I would move back a foot. And then I kept going until I did my free throw. And so my free throw, my junior year, I actually shot one-handed. So not, a, not my hand was not on the ball when I wow. shot this free throw. It was, it was off by like about two inches and then I would shoot it. So it was really Tony elbow ball shooting. So when you see those, you know, young first graders shooting the ball, that's kind of what I was doing, but I shot so well, I retaught myself how to shoot. I ended up shooting like high 80 percentages, wow. um, that year. And I was like, okay. And I got to play, I played a little bit better that year and our team did a little bit better and that's how it works. Right. Everything's in coordinated action. And I was like, if I did that with my free throw, I can do it with my three pointers. So I still was shooting three pointers from the hip and barely making any, and I did it again. And I started shooting my three pointers one-handed with a jump. And so I started doing that over and over before, like all through the summer before my senior year. And so this is like 22 years old. I've been playing basketball for, you know, over a decade at nonstop, but I had to go back to the basics to reteach myself. And the moral of that story is I've relearned how to do it. I got over my mental block. And at one point I was leading the nation in, in three point percentage. So, wow. and I did get invited into the three point, um, the ESPN three point shooting contest. And I remember breakdown, I broke down and started crying. Cause I was like, this was such a huge goal of mine to be able to do that. And what happened there between my sophomore and senior year by do, going back to the basics, is our team did better. And we got to make the NCAA tournament that my senior year, because I played well, I was able to, you know, uh, expand the court, I should say, because people had to come out and guard me, uh, on the three point line, but it helped everyone. And we all got to play better. So just some small things that you go back to the basics, you know, it can amplify what, you know, the success is. And so I would say that's one of the biggest learning lessons from an athlete standpoint, that, you know, that maybe some of your listeners can take with them, but it also really works in life too. You know, when things feel overwhelming or complicated, it's like, what are the basics, you know, like setting my alarm at six 30 or six and going for a walk or doing a meditation or going for the workout for even 20 minutes, you know, small, tiny things that help set your day and you in motion. It's, it's funny how like easy it can get and simplified it can get when you go back to the basics. So that was, that's ah. been a big takeaway that I still use literally every day. So there you go. That's so cool that, I mean, the humility to be willing to go back and start at the basics is a rare thing. So you are a rare bird, that, especially someone that, that got to that level as a D1 athlete. They've been doing this or they've been the, one of the best their whole life. And then they're like, well, now I'm terrible at this. What's going on? And your willingness to put in the work is huge. No wonder you've been so successful in life. Uh, so that's, that's really cool that you, you would go back to the basics. I do. Yeah, I do love that story just for myself, because if I didn't, th I didn't know if I could get over it mentally, emotionally, psychologically, you know, because, okay, how do I make this three pointer again? How do I go back to how I, you know, made it when I was 17 and 16. And so I just kind of went back, I was just like cleared it out, which is another thing that's really great is just giving yourself a blank canvas, which is those basics of going back instead of trying to do the three pointer just a little bit different. It's like, let's clear that all out. 
give yourself a blank canvas and start from scratch, which are the basics like toe, knee, elbow, ball. If you have some basketballers, they'll know what that means, getting the ball lined up and then, and then starting from there. And then all of a sudden your body and your mind kind of start to remember exactly what you're supposed to do just from the basics. So yeah. Something I use, whether it's, uh, whether it's in business or, you know, performance mindset, it's really, really helped me out. And it's been one of those things that was a long journey, but I'm so glad I went through it because I got to, you know, you know, just expand so much of my mental, like mental capacity. And then I was so thankful because I finally was the player I was trying to be, and it helped the team so much. And that was a big deal because we hadn't had the years that we really wanted to, but you know, I had NCAA or bust on my, on my sneaker that senior year. Cause I was like, we've got to make the tournament and, you know, be a part of the big dance. So, and we did, and, and we had a really great year overall for a lot of players and our entire team. Oh, what a great lesson. Yeah. We yeah. were talking a little bit before we started recording that, you know, sports just, a it's just an opportunity for learning. It's a vehicle for learning. Like I coach middle school football and they, they got a lot to learn. They think they know it all, but they can learn a lot. And, you know, we try to teach, you know, winning, winning is awesome, man. Don't get me wrong. I love to win. I'm very competitive, but we're here to learn. You guys are in middle school. We're trying to get you ready for the next level. My success as a coach is if you want to play again the next year, that's kind of how yeah, I, I, oh, look I like at that. It, right? I love you know? that. So, you know, if, cause I'm not winning the Super Bowl, right. I'm, <laughs> it's middle school football. We're going to be okay. So, right. Right. Oh, I love that though. Yeah, that they're, cool. that they're want to come back out. Yeah. That's, you, that's kind of your job as a coach in my opinion. So, but that's just me. I'm not getting paid to do this stuff. So, <laughs> so I can, it's a little easier for me to say that. So um, you have all these office opportunities in college basketball. And then what's it like to hear your name getting called out, being drafted as a professional athlete? Oh my gosh. All right. Well, I'm going to take you back, but it's kind of anticlimactic because I had such, like I said, I was so excited that we got to play in the NCAA tournament. That was the number one goal with the NCAA or bus. We wore hats on it during the selection Sunday that year. Um, and everyone was just so excited to be in the tournament because we had missed it for two years. Uh, so that was like literally my main focus for that entire year. So when the WNBA draft was happening, I was at Iowa state watching a red and gold football scrimmage and someone called me and they're like, you got drafted. And I was like, I did. I didn't even know. I like, I didn't even know. So I, you know, it wasn't like I had a party. I, I kind of was just really caught off guard. I also had an injury at the time that I pushed through like the end of the season. So it was just like the icing on top. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Cause I was just so focused on this goal of making the NCAA tournament. And, uh, and so to be able to be drafted was amazing to play with some of the top players I had, uh, watched growing up. So, you know, I was drafted to Sacramento Monarchs and I was injured, but I came back, they called me back the, the following year. And, uh, they had won that they had won the WNBA championship. So we got to go to Washington DC and meet the president, got to play in Madison square garden, got to travel all over. And I got to play with some of the people I had watched, like in middle school, like Tisha Penichero and Ruthie Bolton Holyfield. And it was just, it was just phenomenal to be around and be at that high level. Um, that I was just like, this is, this was incredible. So it was a, it was a tremendous experience, but I also was had a few injuries. Like I had torn my ACL during oh, college wow. and, tore my ACL in college and had a couple other, um, like torn plantar fasciitis, which is the arch Oof. in your foot. Oh yeah. 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 And stress fractures. So, you know, when you have an injury, sometimes while you're rehabbing that your the rest of your body, you know, takes a toll on you. And that's probably one of the other takeaways I I've had from sports is that everything's interconnected. And, you know, so really working on your wholeness and wellness is, is a big deal because, 
you know, when I was focused on my injured knee, you know, my left side of my body tore my right ACL, the left side of my body is where I ended up having that torn um, foot, the torn arch. And so it's like, oh, it went from one side to the other because I was, yeah. you know, overcompensating. And so really working on looking at wholeness. So you know, basketball isn't just about basketball or sports. It's about your health. It's about your mental health. It's about, you know, your wellness that you're taking care of outside. So I just, I always like think of that too, that it's bigger than just one singular thing that's helping you perform. So that, that was another big takeaway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I might've segued over to the injury, but yeah, that was part of, you know, why, not, not, Hey, there was great players in the WNBA. I'm not sure I was like completely ready for it, but, uh, I, you know, a couple of those injuries held me back from really training as much as I really wanted to, too. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Those are dev Those are devastating. Those aren't just kind of injuries. Those are big injuries right there. So I understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You make a great point about the mental health. Cause you're seeing it, unfortunately in the news right now that there's been three D one athletes that have died in the past few months, just <sighs> mental health issues. And you see it, it, it's just a lot, it's a lot of pressure academically, athletically. So you're seeing that and, it, and it just needs to be addressed more. So you made a great point on that. Yeah, definitely. And you know, the best, it's so hard to identify because, you know, we have these personas, whether they're on social media and then we have personas in front of our friends and family. And then there's this whole world inside of like the athlete or you even just you as a person that you're up against and you really want to be taking care of that, whether like, again, whether it's talking to a therapist or, you know, doing a meditation or going for a walk and, and getting away from the sport, you know, not turning on social media all the time. I'm not sure what it is. I know those are a few things that help me, yeah. <laughs> you know, even as an adult, as when I was playing, you know, those are some of the, the different things, but it's a big world. And we're, I think we're just starting to see some of the effects. And I'm so thankful that athletes are talking talking about it because they were, you know, it was kind of more hush hush and just perform and go shoot your, shoot your free throws and their three pointers, you know, and, yeah. and play well, you know? Yeah, that's it. So you, you, you get out of college, you get out of the WBA, you've done a lot of things. Like I said, you got into coaching, you've done some announcing, but you've also got to travel the world and be with some of the biggest experts in the world. What's been some takeaways from that? Oh yeah. You know, I've, I've had a lot of fun. So I, I'd say one of the biggest things is when you got, when I got done, uh, playing basketball and being in school as a, as an athlete, this is also one of those things is I felt like I kind of had blinders on like one of those racehorses that are amazing. Cause they know their, they know their goal and their path. And that's what I did. And then after that, it's almost like the, the, the blinders were taken off and it's a whole world of opportunities out there. And so I, I just always inform kids or people that don't forget, there's a big divergent space that you can look at and all of your curiosities, whether you were you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. some of them might show up again when you're, when you're an adult. And one of them for me was always traveling. It was spirituality. It was learning. I loved learning from other people. I was like, you know, I'll ask a million questions and I'll be very inquiring about different things and how things work. And so, yeah, I was able, I've traveled maybe about 40 countries or so. And, um, I've, I've went to South Africa and travel or trained with Martha Beck and, She's a Harvard trained life coach. Uh, she was Oprah's life coach and that was just so cool. But, you know, a lot of times it's not about the people you're learning from, which is great. You usually end up going to events to learn from certain people, but what you discover is the things about yourself. And that's the biggest takeaway you can ever have. And so when I was there, I was like watching all these animals and I'm like, I just learned so much more about animal psychology that I had loved when I was a kid. And so I got, it was in South Africa on a, on a game reserve and 
it was just tremendous to be able to relate to something where you're like, oh yeah, the lions lay all day and they take their time, but when it's time to be on, it's time to be on. And so you can, you can use that in different, on uh, different tactics. So I've loved that. Um, I, I went to a BYLR it's build your life resume with Jesse Itzler before, which is awesome. He's definitely a big guy on mindset. <laughs> if, if you guys know him and all of his different triathlon and Ultraman um, trainings and had a lot of fun there, but yeah, I'm always up for traveling and experiences. I think I end up discovering more and, you know, it expands my, my world a little bit more when I'm, when I'm out there traveling. <laughs> you got to travel. You should, that's yeah. one of the things I've told my son to get as many opportunities to travel as you can. There's a, there's yeah. a whole big world out there. You know, you got to go check it out. So um, tell and us about it. And, and even yeah. if they can't travel, you can travel by reading, you know, you can, you know, the Google's endless. Like you can find out so much more. I was out on the beach this morning watching the sunrise and I Googled about the Milky way. And I didn't even realize we had 400 billion planets. So like, I've just been thinking about that this morning. So I know that that's very strange, but you never know what you can stumble upon. And you're like, wow, that's so cool. You know? And then I'm worried about what meeting I have that day. And I'm like, that's a big world out there. If you just kind of keep being curious about it and it can be in a lot of different ways. So whether it's, you know, following somebody that, you know, love their, their message and their inspiration, their books, watching video courses, you can find it, there's a lot of access to things these days. And I think that's really important wherever your curiosities are to, to focus on what you can, what you can at that time. Yeah. There, there's some bad parts about the internet, but you can learn anything anyone has ever learned on the internet now. Isn't right. that crazy? Anyone's <laughs> right, ever learned. Right, you... right. Stay, stay in the positive part. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it is, it's like, I go, there's gotta be an answer for that somewhere. When I think of it, even I think of something, I'm like, I don't know this YouTube thing. I'm like, I gotta, you know, you know how to figure it out. Yeah. So, so tell me about what you're doing now. How did you get into that? Uh, all right. So, so for my career, so I, you said I, I was playing basketball. I was in performance. I, I coached a little bit. Like I mentioned, I was in TV color commentating, which I loved. I got to see all the different angles of, you know, performance, whether you're the player, you're the coach, you get to call the game. It's a lot of fun to be able to tell people's stories. And so at that time I was like, Hey, let me see what else I can do to expand myself. I know quite a bit about basketball and, uh, and then I got into business. And so I was in different um, business industries like healthcare, uh, performance sales, and then I got into consulting and that's really where I found my bread and, bread and butter. And that's because, you know, performance happens all the time, even in organizations. I think of organizations move like a football team moves or they move like at a symphony does. Everyone has their own role to play and everyone's up to the same goal. So whether you're playing the same song, you're up to winning that game or you're up to like, you know, killing out a new product, you know, for the organization, they all move like that. And so performance consulting is really where I found my, my niche and was able to really understand kind of how things move in or like in together. So, uh, and now I work at Palo Alto networks, which is in a cybersecurity company. Um, but before then I, I should tell a quick story because again, things look always really shiny. Um, and in 2020, during the pandemic, I was working for this consulting firm. And if you can imagine uh, a lot of companies didn't have over a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars to give out for consulting. And so we had to let go of three fourths of our company. And at that time, that's when I closed my computer and I was like, 
I think this could be the best decision or best thing that's happened to me. And a lot of people I know were freaking out and you can definitely do that. But I was like, let me see how I can turn this into a positive. And so I really took my time. I did some of those animal instincts that I talked about <laughs> in South Africa of really focusing on where, you know, where am I going to be in 2022? Where do I want to be in 2023? And I, and I call that reverse engineering. So you're setting that point out in the future and you're creating that from a blank slate. So some of these conversations are, are flowing together. If you, if y'all listeners are picking up on it of creating that blank canvas of who am I and, and in that time frame. And then what I do is I'm like, Hey, what skill sets do I want to learn? What industry do I want to be in? Who are the people I want to work with? You know, what are the new like talents that I want to discover about myself? And so I start to kind of paint that picture. And then all of a sudden you start to become a little bit more of that. And then you start looking for opportunities like that. And so when I, when I was let go during the pandemic, like I said, uh, that's when I really took my time to be like, let's see what I can create out of this. And I wanted to be in a high tech industry. Um, and cybersecurity was one of them that was growing. Uh, and I still wanted to be able to do my performance consulting, you know, where I really saw how people align and work together in teams. And that's really the role that I have in, in Palo Alto networks. And so kind of filtering that down and creating a new picture for myself really helped. But I think sometimes you have to create that blank canvas, you reverse engineer and you're like, okay, I'm out there in the future, just like a lot of your athletes probably are like, okay, where am I at at the end of the season? You know, we want to be 20 and five or, you know, something over 20 win seasons how, or 20 win games. How do we get there? And then you start to plot that out. And um, that's kind of a, a big piece that I've been able to do, whether I was a student athlete or throughout my career. And that really helped me create this position and uh, working for a great company. So I'm really, really happy with, uh, you know, how it worked out. And guess what? If, if something ever doesn't work out, I'm always like, all right, we start, you just keep going and you keep moving forward from that future point that you want. And not so worried about what's happened in the past because there's nothing you can do about the past. So man, bringing it full circle. That was awesome. <laughs> hey, hopefully everyone can connect the dots there a little yeah. bit. If not, you need to rewind the, it, you need to rewind yeah, it and go back, go. take your notes, make sure you took notes. So let me ask you this. When you <laughs> took your, uh, your visit to Stanford, did you ever think you would wind up working there? In the same oh, city? you know what? Uh, so Stanford was one of my all time favorite, uh, one of my favorite visits. And I, you know, I love Tara Vanderveer. She's still the head coach there again, an incredible um, head coach with a program and the school is amazing. And I, uh, anyway, I, uh, but my, my, it's so funny that my company is based out of Palo Alto. I don't, you know, it's, so it does come full circle sometimes, you know, that way I, I live in Miami right now, but I haven't been to headquarters yet, but I know it'll be a full circle moment when I was there because I, I literally just had a conversation with someone earlier today whose dad worked at Stanford and he's like, yeah, on the campus. And I was like, oh, I know. Yeah. So, yep. It's always funny how that, how they kind of intertwine even in your future. That's cool. So, so tell me about <laughs> your podcast. Why did you start your podcast and tell people what it's about? Oh, all right. So my podcast is called Get Busy Living and Many of your listeners probably have seen Shawshank Redemption, and it is a quote from there where um, Morgan Freeman goes, yes, you get busy living or you get busy dying. And he chooses to, I call it GBL with his best friend and, you know, uh, leaves Shawshank Redemption. Uh, sorry if that was a spoiler, but it's an old movie. So I'm sure many of y'all have seen it. It's on all day, every day. If you haven't <laughs> yeah, seen it, TV that's on you. That's on right, you. TBS, TNT. You got it. Yeah, it's yeah. on repeat. So anyway, so that was kind of the, the kickoff that, that quote, but my dad and I would randomly exchange texts throughout the day. 
you hear me? Yep, I got you. Hello? Hey, you're back. Oh my gosh, you guys. So sorry. <laughs> That's what happens when we do technology things. So That's right. I switched microphones. Uh, I must have gotten excited. So let me tell you the quick story about Get Busy Living. And so my dad and I would randomly exchange texts that would say, are you busy living? And then it came their 45th wedding anniversary, my parents' 45th wedding anniversary. And I had put together all of these GBL stickers and hats and koozies and fun things like that. Well, then my dad walks out and he has all of these GBL t-shirts and we had never, ever like communicated about it, you know, for their anniversary party. So it was just one of those things that all kind of came together about GBL. And so I started my podcast because it's all about good vibes, growth mindset and giving back. And so I started this, you know, when we still weren't able to volunteer as much. And that's a really big deal to me because I, a lot of the conversations I have are about what inspires people to be bigger than themselves. And that's the main tagline from the podcast is what inspires people to be bigger than themselves. And so, cause a lot of times you'll hear people's big success stories, whether it's their career or maybe triathlons or whatever that might be, but they're usually doing something else for their community or someone in their community or a way that they're giving back um, to a charity or nonprofit. And so I've really enjoyed that piece of it because everyone brings on their stories and their good vibes and then brings on a new nonprofit or charity that we can all learn about and possibly, you know, gain awareness and uh, donate to. So that's why I started. It's been, it's been a lot of fun so far. That's awesome. Yeah. You'll be yeah. really good at it. You're, you'll be, you bring a lot to the table. So that's good. That's a get busy living podcast. You got to go check it out. Yes. Thank, yeah. Thank you so much. And sorry for the, the mix up with the mic. That's all right. I don't know anything about technology. So I don't know. I, just, I was just going to sit here and hope you figured it out. See, I'm glad you did. So how can I, how can people keep up with you? I mean, obviously the podcast is get busy living, but what's your website? Yeah. So I have a website. It's anneoneil.co, not com, but co. And it's A-N-N-E-O-N-E-I-L.co. And a lot of my information's on there. Like we talked about a lot of different basketball things, all of those different awards and kind of adventures that I've gone on are on there. Um, and some of the work that I do, like I mentioned. Um, and then if you're on social media, like LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram, I'm at Hey Ann O'Neill. So I would love for you guys to come say hi, especially if you have any questions of, you know, going through some of those AAU things or making college um, decisions, or maybe you're getting out of college and you're like, I don't know what to do. Like, what am I interested in? You know, those are really kind of the spaces that I spent a lot of time looking at, or, you know, you uh, maybe got let go and how do we kind of create from, from scratch? So those are a lot of times, or a lot of the biggest lessons that I've learned and really spent a lot of time honing those skills 
because the funny thing is they keep showing up in different ways. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So skip the line. Don't, don't learn the hard way. She's done it the hard way. You know, you can learn from Ant. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll link all that in show notes. You don't have to look it up. I just wanted to get that out there, but Hey, and thanks so much for coming on. I really enjoy this is really, you know, I'm living it too right now with my son. So this is cool to hear from someone who's walked that path. Oh my gosh. I, I love it. Is he planning to play in college or looking that, at being That's recruited? his goal. That's all he's obsessed. So that's Bas- his thing. All basketball? All basketball. Oh, oh yeah. man, I love it. Okay, well, cool. Well, he can contact me too because you never know. Sometimes it always helps from an outside source, but- Absolutely. No, this was awesome. I had so much fun. Your energy was so high. I feel like I'm starting to sweat um, talking, <laughs> so, talking so fast and enjoying it, but I, I hope- you know, there's a few takeaways for your listeners out there. I've really enjoyed it. Absolutely. I hope they're taking notes because you, you had some nuggets in there. So I appreciate your time. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing out there, getting people to get busy living. We all need to do some of that. So, hey, right if, you, if you got something out of this, please share this with somebody. Spread the word about Anne spreading out there. Go check out our podcast. Check out our website. Keep up with her on social media and keep up the great work. And I'd love to stay up with you as well. Oh, that sounds good. Thanks so much, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. All right. Go out and share all this. Right, and I'll talk bye. to you guys later. Bye-bye. Wow, what a great episode. You share that with somebody. I'm going to share with you some awesome sponsors. McWilliams Marketing. They can help your business grow. Regardless of the size of the project, you're going to get a solution that is specifically created for you and your business. No cookie cutter, one size fits approach here. So Amy and her band of fearless marketers can help you with all that stuff that you think you can do, but you're not really that good at it. You don't have time for it. They can do that. They're the experts. It's what they do. Web design, online conversion optimization, SEO, uh, graphic design, marketing, page management, all that stuff. Go let them do that. Don't handle that yourself. Go check them out at mcwilliamsmarketing.com. See what all they can do. They're amazing people. Teak Patnick with Patnick Realty. He really does it all in the real estate world. General real estate sales, acquisitions, property management, investments, all that good stuff. You're not just a transaction with Teak. He really wants to build a relationship for life with you. He has built his whole business on prayer, hard work ethic, honesty, and results. You can trust Patnick Realty with all your real estate needs. Hey, I trust my brother from another mother, Teak, and you should too. Give him a call, 256-694-0117, or email him at teak at patnickco.com. Hey, if your child's struggling with math, are you frustrated trying to help them? Then you need Mathnasium of Madison. They will meet your child where they are and help them get where they need to go. And they will do this in a positive and uplifting environment. You'll see measurable changes in attitude, confidence, and school progress. And go to their website, mathnasium.com slash madisonal, and sign up for the assessment. It is a risk-free and cost-free process that will tell you exactly where your child stands academically. Check them out again, mathnasium.com, madisonal. You know what you need in your life? Some apparel app. It's where I get all my t-shirts and the Hope Dealer stickers there and all my stuff over there. But you can brand just about anything you want there. Whether you have an idea of what you want or you have no idea where to start, they can help you. Go check out their website, apparelab.inc, I-N-K. You, or you can email them at theapparelab at gmail.com. Use a promo code RELENTLESS. Save yourself some money. Get some great products. Hey, these are awesome businesses. Go support them. They're out supporting positivity, and they will do you right. Have an awesome day.